One of the quiet curiosities of my job is taking in all the different ways that people respond when taking communion. I love it. Most people say amen. Some say thanks be to God or just thank you. There is there's this classic toddler move of just opening your mouth really wide, ready to be fed. I have a friend, though, who routinely breaks these molds. Sometimes Daniel responds with simply, yes. Sometimes he says, I believe, or I trust. But one day I heard the warmth, the the delight almost, in his voice as he took the chalice in his hands, paused, and said, I thirst. We generally don't celebrate thirst or even name it. We try to quench it and quickly. It's a source of discomfort, something to be taken care of. And of course, in time, thirst can become dangerous. And Daniel's words still echo with me. I thirst. I imagine the folks listening to Jesus don't have to work hard to conjure up a memory of thirst. In today's gospel, we meet up with Jesus and many of his followers gathered on the side of a hill up above the Sea of Galilee the sun likely beating down on them. Jesus has just challenged them with the subversive beatitudes, these teachings that turn our conception of what it means to be blessed upside down. He's proclaimed that God's blessing is resident with those who the world tends to scorn, or at least pity. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And now he launches into what we hear today. You are salt and you are light. You, he says to those first disciples. And you, he says, you gathered here today. You are salt and you are light. These things the world so desperately needs. He offers this as a pronouncement of who they are, of who we are, even when we forget it. Jesus doesn't say, hey folks, you really need to be more radiant. And if you're going to follow me, you'll need to bring a little more zesty passion with you. No. He doesn't say that they should be like this. He says they are this. Already, right now, salt and light. There are plenty of ways we can unpack this, plenty of ways to try to follow through this passage. Salt preserves, it nourishes, it brings out flavor, Light guides us. It reveals truth. It shines. 
Yes, all of this. But where, where I've been wrestling this week is how the blessing of salt and light may seem more challenging, where it may call us up short, where it ceases to be simple and rosy and delicious. You know, like where the salt and light begin to dance with the grit of those beatitudes that came just before. Because here's another truth about salt. It leaves us thirsty, wanting, uncomfortable, parched. But what if we actually need to thirst? It's a vulnerable thing to acknowledge that we are in need, that something is wanting. Many of us go to great lengths to have it all together or to appear fine. But what if part of the reason Jesus names us as salt is to make room for that thirst here among us as his gathered body? What then? Several years ago, my husband Jesse and my kids and I went to Colorado for a family wedding. Most of it, to be honest, is a blur. I remember that summer and that, that year overall, was, it was just nonstop. We had a two-year-old and a five-year-old. We were juggling work and parenting and not very much childcare. I don't think I had slept regularly through the night uh, in years at that point, and it was all catching up. One afternoon while we were there in Colorado, when there wasn't much else going on, I headed out on my own. I don't really recall how it transpired. I'm guessing it was rooted in Jesse's generosity, but... I got into this rental car and guided only by a vague inkling of geography, I drove towards the towering mountains. Slowly I wound my way up and up until finally I crested over the ridgeline of the Rockies. I parked and I ran out onto the snow in my sandals. It was gorgeous and wild and wonderful, and I thought that was what I had come for. This absurd, joyful paradox of snow in July, of fresh flowers blooming where the snow had only just receded. It was on the way back down, though, that something more began to click for me. This drive was just a quick jaunt alone. I was catching my breath for maybe an hour and a half. And uh, partway down the mountain, I noticed this spot where the gravel shoulder widened a bit. And I could make out the hint of a trail heading down uh, through the tall grass. And unsure of what was drawing me there, I pulled over almost instinctively and hopped out. I followed the trail down a ravine and away from the highway, 
far enough that the sound of cars faded away until that mechanical hum was covered by the sound of wind and birds and sunlight. Walking further, I found myself at this trickle of a mountain stream, almost hidden in the knee-high grass. My body seemed to know what I needed, and soon I was kneeling there in the mud. I cupped my hands and brought the cold, clear water of the stream to drink. I reached down and I drank again and again. I was thirsty, I realized. I was exhausted and I was spent and I was so thirsty. That water was some of the best. But in the years since that afternoon away, brief as it was, I've come to realize that I needed to thirst just as much as I needed to drink that water. That longing, that awareness that things weren't altogether right and that they could change, that was of God. That longing came to me through the light of others, through the salt of others. I caught glimpses of it from folks all around me, showing me by their very living that that we aren't machines, that we're not meant to have life as a grind. Day by day, they were reminding me of the goodness, of the need to savor that goodness. It's that joy in someone else that can make us long for it in ourselves, reach to be fully alive, which is, of course, the great delight of God. It's this this fantastic subversion of envy, I think. this, this This longing is not so much about wanting what others have, but realizing through their light, through their connection, that we too can live so completely in God. It's okay that we thirst. It's good. It's what's meant to happen when we come together. Our thirst can become our prayer. We get to notice that yearning and not just patch over it or shy away from it, but live into it. Live into what could yet be. Jesus gives us each other as salt and light already as we are, that we may gather then as his body with all our need and all possibility, trusting that we will be met. He calls us into this place, onto this holy ground, up to this table. Calls us to come even with all that we long for. It's who we are. We get to come into God's presence and say, in all humility and all hope, I thirst. <laughs>